1: And, and it says in Revelation 12 verse 12, "Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. His, it's a short time, it's a short time, but just as we read in the verse here in verse eight, "For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Is that going to happen? You better believe it.." Oh, praise How can I ever say it
0: Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says, He who sins is of the devil. Welcome to our Bible study. People who are settled in habitual sin are not the children of God. They are of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and free us from our bondage to the devil. John gave us one reason why Jesus came in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. He said, He was manifested to take away our sins. Now John gives us another reason that he might destroy the works of the devil. Not to neutralize or to limit his works, but to destroy the works of the devil. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message.
1: And they meant first in their own life. We've been called to know right from wrong. It's not wrong to say something is wrong. But we cannot tell what motivates a person to do something. We're not to condemn them. But we can see clearly what kind of person they are by their fruits, by the things that they do. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said this, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. And here's the verse, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Within every human being, there's this sense morally of of right and wrong. And he didn't put it there so that we could put a blanket over it and say, Well, nothing really exists. See, in our culture, unfortunately, it's not politically correct to say anything negative about anything even when something that is truly bad gets a negative response the one who is telling the truth is maligned for being negative is it true isn't that true and this is certainly a scheme of the devil and have you felt the pressure to put a muzzle on what you know is is true and what you know is wrong and yet you don't want to point out the thing that's wrong because you're afraid of somebody coming up to you and saying oh you're just being judgmental so what Now, do I need to go first and look at my own heart? Yes, I do. But can I see something that's bad? If you see, you know, somebody running through a red light, it's wrong, isn't it? But we live in a culture today where where everyone's saying, "Well, not really." I mean, to the person who was going through the red light, they felt that it was green. They felt that it was green. Yeah, he was, this young lady was born with uh, feminine parts, but she feels like she's something else. Nonsense. You're born a male or female. And yet now we've messed it all up. Our whole culture, our whole system is messed up. And boy, the the rooster is coming home. (laughs) You know, our our rooster is getting cooked. Because they're seeing it. I just saw a thing today, and and sorry to get off on this, but I think it, it fits in here. Some young people who have been uh, going into d- being a transgender, they've been told by their family, maybe their parents, you know, that, um, oh, because you, you know, you played with dolls when you were a little boy, you know, when you were like two years old, because they don't know any better. They're just looking at the thing. They don't know the distinction. Then, Then they start going down this road of making them think that he's a female. And some of them have actually had operations to change their sex. I saw an article this morning that says that many of those people, there's there's a lot of them now, and it's not being reported in the news, they're they're wishing they had never done it. And it's messing them up completely. But you won't hear that on our precious news. It's a scheme of the devil. Everyone's feeling pressure to put a muzzle on anything, to to call it what it is. We are to call what is good good and what is evil evil. It's madness that we're living in, folks. We need to return to sanity in this country. We need to return to sanity in love, in love, in love. You know, it's, it's do you ever get frustrated? I do. Sometimes I get frustrated, and sometimes I don't always, I'm on the edge of being in jeopardy myself because of the way I respond to certain things like I've shared with you. That just makes me angry inside. Because I know who God is to, as much as I can know. I know enough to know that he's a good God and he, his ways are perfect. And he doesn't create people so that they, they're, 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 they're condemned to do this sin. You were born that way, therefore you've got... No, that's a bunch of nonsense. You have a choice in everything you do. You have a choice to rob the bank. You have a choice to determine what's... You know, whether you're going to admit to yourself that you're a male or female. I mean, just... It's obvious. We need to return to sanity, but in love... Notice in verse 8, he who sins is of the devil. The devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, I love this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might, that Jesus might destroy the works of the devil. Remember, folks, the devil does not win. There are those who think that Satan, uh, there, there are actually people who worship Satan who think that it's just fun and games to associate themselves with the devil, but it's no laughing matter. It's no laughing matter. Their friends aren't having a party in hell. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah, man, I'm going to hell because that's where my friends are. We have no idea. That's just ignorance. It is. It's ignorance. They say that not knowing the truth because the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us the truth. There is one way, there's one truth, there's one life, and it's him. It's Jesus Christ. But the devil, he will give you the high and the thrill of power and having the upper hand, and it's temporal. And he may appear to have the headway right now, but for those who have the Spirit of God in him, greater is he that is in you, child of God, than he that is in the world. Amen. Greater is the Spirit of God in you than he that is in the world. Isn't that what it says in 1 John 4? And I love the fact that the Antichrist and the nations under his influence, as we, get, as we come to this conclusion of our age, as, as it gets further along here, and we're at the end of the end, I'm looking forward to the day when the Antichrist, the nations under his influence, the false prophet and the devil himself, they are going to have their day in court and the decree is already out. They have been condemned and there is a place for them. There is a place for them. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, John speaks of this of the last three and a half years of the seven year tribulation period. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. The last three and a half years of that is going to be the worst of human history where God is going to pour out wrath on an ungodly world that has rejected His Son. And, and it says in Revelation 12, verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. It's, it's a short time. It's a short time. But just as we read in the verse here, in verse 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Is that going to happen? You better believe it. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This is one that we have read enough, but I'm going to read it again. Because I want to encourage you, because as we go along, we see things and we're frustrated. You need to know the end game and know it well. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, this is speaking of Jesus, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, the Logos of God. And verse 14, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses guess what that's you and I coming back with him to the earth to reign for a thousand years now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written I love this king of kings and lord of lords aren't you excited about that When I see all the negative and the awful things that are going on, I'm looking forward... You and I, we look forward to that day, but we look forward to a day that's before that. This is the second coming of Him, of Christ to the earth, but we know that the church will be removed in the rapture at least seven years prior to that. But then it goes on. It says, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, People, free and slave both small and great and there's the really good part that the other part up to this point is pretty sad people on the earth who had an opportunity but instead they shook their fist at him and said we will not have this man rule over us then there's only other one recourse for that group of people they've rejected him and they will be sent to outer darkness for hell in hell forever But the enemy of our soul, notice verse 19, it says, And I saw the beast, who is the Antichrist, the the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together and make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Can you imagine coming against Christ? You see him coming in the clouds. You see him coming in the armies behind him. This is supernatural, folks. This is not like the Wild West. If you saw that coming at you, Anybody in their right mind would throw down everything and bow their face and kiss the dust and say, Lord, forgive us. <laughs> but instead, can you believe? the madness, they, they, they see it coming, they know it's coming, and they know their doom is sure. And instead of repentance, they shake their fists and they say, bring it on. And their anger and their hatred against him Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who works signs in his present presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive, the false prophet and the antichrist, the beast. They were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. This is really horrible imagery. Wouldn't you agree? This is not easy, is it? It's horrible. It's not easy to read something like that. Because nobody wants anybody to go through this. That's why you know, Paul would say, I, I'm, I'm compelled to share the gospel. I'm compelled to tell people about Jesus because this is what's coming, folks. He is, his track record has been 100% up to this point. He has never lied to you and he never will lie to you. Everything that he has said has come to pass literally That's why so many people have a problem with the book of Daniel. Because the prophecies there were dictated to him by God and given to him. And God knows history, doesn't he? It's his story. He's outside of time. He's already seen it as if it's already begun. So he has the unfair advantage of writing the book before it happens. That's amazing. Does that encourage you? I know I'm talking about some heavy stuff today, and I'm I'm a little bit excited. But do you know that he loves you? He loves you, but he's serious. He's serious, and we must take everything, take our lives serious. It's life that he's given us. But notice, after this, it says Satan is bound for a hundred years, and then finally, in Revelation twenty verse seven, it says, "Now when the thousand years were expired, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations." This is in the millennial reign. He's going to be sealed for a thousand years, and after that thousand years, he's going to be released again. And it says, "And he will go forth to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together in battle, whose name is as the sand of the sea and then they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city which is jerusalem and fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them and the devil notice who deceived them finally finally the devil himself was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and a false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever What does forever and ever mean? Does it mean just a couple weeks? There are people who try to wiggle around this because all those who don't believe will be sent to that same exact place where those three are forever and ever. That's why it's so important that we give our heart to Christ because of his great love that he's shown, that he's demonstrated on the cross. So verse 9 back in our text, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Again, because of our language here, the idea is whoever has been born of God does not continue in sin. It's not going to be something they're going to be continuing to do, for the God's seed remains in him. The Spirit of God is the down payment, the deposit that God makes in you. And then as a result of that, you cannot sin. What that means is in the original Grammar is you can't continue in sin. You can't continue a life bent on corruption. You may sin, and you will, from time to time, but a life that is just continuing, guess what? You know what happens? Have you ever grieved the Spirit in your life? For those, hopefully all of us here are born again, but for those who are born again, and you know what, when you have sinned, have you grieved the Spirit of God? Have you sinned, and then the next day you do the same exact thing, and you're like, God, why do I even bother asking for forgiveness? Have you been there? Thank you. Because I have too. And you get so frustrated. We need to turn. We need to turn. And your life, you're just miserable, aren't you? Because you've grieved the spirit in you. (laughs) You have a conscience. It grieves the spirit of God, and you know it, and you're like, man, I am just, I feel completely worthless. That's not a bad thing. Psychologists will tell you, oh, it's hurting your self-esteem. You're... You know, you should be told that it's okay, you know, if if it hurts your feelings, then, you know, by all means, just continue doing what you're doing. I mean, after all, God is love, and, you know, just because you love that, you know, that, that other male or that other female, you know, it's okay to engage in that activity. No, it's not. God's greatest gift to us is a conscience— and his word has given us, told us right from wrong. And when we divorce ourselves from that, believe me, we've opened the door. And our culture has opened the door. It's wide open. It's so wide open, it can't get any wider. That's why this message is so important to all of us. And more importantly, to those out there who don't know. They need to know Jesus. But verse 10, he says, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice, here it is, whoever does not continuously practice righteousness is not of, not of God, because you prove by not doing it that you're not of him. There ought to be a proof to my, my faith. Uh, that there ought to be results behind that, right? There ought to be results. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And, and and that comes uh, from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, the first mention of it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James even tells us in James chapter 2, verse 8, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the royal law, James tells us. For this is the message, verse 11, that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another, and not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, if you would. There's a difference. Someone who is practicing righteousness and somebody who is not. Their lives are very different, marked by different things. And usually the guy who's not practicing righteousness is in jail or is on his way to jail or is lucky he's not in jail already. In Genesis chapter 4, it says, Now Adam and Eve knew, I'm sorry, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain. She said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. We believe they're twins. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. He brought the very best of his flock, and, and, he, and he sacrificed that animal and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, for he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was naturally very angry, and his countenance fell. And so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you do, you will be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and it's and its desire for you. And its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. There's the provisions, Cain. You had the provision, you had the choice, you could have made the choice, it has a decision, it wants you, but you have to make a decision, what are you going to do? And we know, so in verse 8, now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and he killed him. And in the original language here, it's really interesting because the word that is used for killed is a word called Svazo, and it literally means to slay or slaughter or by butchering, by cutting the throat. Sorry for the graphicness of this, but I think having understood this, and then I start reading the passage a little further, it becomes a little more interesting. It literally means taking a knife and cutting the throat, or the jugular is. Because when Abel, as he cut that animal, that first of the flock, and he offered it to God, where did he learn that from? Why did God have respect to that blood sacrifice? I mean, wouldn't it have been better to get that nice Kittle burger basket? The big fruit basket that Cain brought? It looked beautiful. It had all the you know mangoes and papayas and all this fruit and a lot of foo and a little card. It looked beautiful. And you think that God will go, man, that is just so cool, man. Well, what's this mess? Abel, what's this mess? You cut the throat of this lamb or whatever it is. You bring this to me? No, God says, I have respect to that, but the other thing I reject. And why? Because in the garden, remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what is the thing that God did? Right before them, I believe. When they had sinned, they knew that they had sinned. God sacrificed an animal right in front of them, and he used the skin of that animal that had atoned for their sin, the innocent blood of a victim in their place. Instead of them, the victim, this innocent animal, was taken Blood was shed, and that skin of that coat, God wrapped them with instead of fig leaves. Thank you, Lord. That's where Cain and Abel learned it from. How many times did Adam sacrifice a lamb or an animal and offer it on the altar to God? And Cain and Abel are watching this growing up, growing up. And so finally there comes a time when Abel and Cain want to make an offering to the Lord And Abel says, I'm going to do the right thing. And his brother says, you know what? I worked hard. I earned this money. I'm going to give that. And God has a problem with that. Not that you worked hard, but you did it not in the prescribed manner. And I think it's interesting too as, you know, that word for kill literally means by cutting of the throat. Where did they learn that from? They saw it many times. They saw it many times. And so finally when Cain rises up against Abel... He didn't just kill him with a rock. He didn't just throw a rock at him. No, he butchered him like he butchered that, that animal in sacrifice to the Lord that God accepted. He says, you know what, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to do it the same way, but I'm going to do it to you. It kind of puts a whole new twist on it, doesn't it? It co- totally blew me away reading this. And sorry that it's so morbid, but, but, but this, is, this is the reality. This is the reality of it, and then it says in verse nine that the Lord said to Cain, "Where is Abel your brother?" And he said, "I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper?" And you can you can sense Cain is kind of getting uh, irreverent with the Lord, because up up further it says that Abel was a a keeper of sheep, and now he comes back, and the Lord says, "Where's your brother? What am I? Am I my brother's keeper?" (laughs) And then the Lord comes back and says, "What have you done?" God knew what had, what had happened. He didn't need the information, but he wanted to draw it out of Cain. What, what happened here? Because the voice of your brother's blood cries out from the me from the ground. The blood from your brother's voice. What's right here where, he, where Cain had cut him? The voice
0: box. The very I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles.